Hi everyone, it's Liam from the Early Education Show. I'm just giving you a quick intro to a short bonus episode we're releasing this week. In our last episode, focusing on politics, we recorded a bit overlong on the first topic um, and we had to trim out probably a little bit uh, under 10 minutes um, of stuff that we enjoyed talking about but would have made an already very long episode uh, even longer, which I think even for those who are enjoying our chats probably would have pushed the bounds of people's uh, um, ability to uh, still enjoy what we're talking about. So we've cut it out and it's a relatively uh, excised topic and we sort of talk more about um, how families and the community, the divisions that are sort of within uh, how we view early childhood education and how that reacts and interacts with politics. So it kind of sits nicely separately and we thought we could just drop it in as a bit of um, kind of like a deleted scene, but a bit of a bonus episode. So we hope you enjoy it and our next regular episode will be out as usual on Friday. So thanks. Hope you enjoy. To me, the, the, the things that we're still divided upon in this space are whether <clears throat> can I just give a list of these now, Liam? Is that <laughs> sure? Yeah. Um, well, I think we look at um, the spending of tax dollars versus is it a waste? So, is spending on children, is spending on better qualifications a waste, or is it a good use of tax dollars? An investment, we look essentially. At, yeah, we look at community responsibility for children versus individual responsibility for children. Whose responsibility are is are they? You know, is it something that as a community we all decide we should educate children, or is it something no. that individual parents? You made you made a decision. You made a decision to have them. Therefore, yes. you need to pay for them. Yes, I know, I know. But you know what? Some of those children may just grow up and be you know doctors or something, and may save people's lives. So yeah, you know, are they still my responsibility? Yeah, you'll have, um, you'll have made that happen. Oh, right. Okay. Um, small government versus big government, you know, whether we should have a government that doesn't interfere much in what are essentially private matters, bringing up children, or whether we should have a big government. NQF, is it red tape or is it safeguarding children? Um, qualifications. This is one that I get at the bottom of any articles I write all the time. Anyone can look after children. Why do you need qualifications to look after children? Well, in my day, you know, um, uh, anyone could look after them. Or better still, I'm a parent. I don't have qualifications. Why do you need qualifications to look after children? Um, and that's... But that, you know, as ridiculous as that sounds, that is a very strong divide between the left and the right about this particular issue. And parents should decide quality versus the state should decide quality. A lot of people would argue that, you know, parents should be able to instantly understand with, you know, whether a service is good quality or bad quality and they choose via spending their money, via enrolling their children to enrol in the good quality services. And it should be up to them. It shouldn't. The state should have no input into the quality of centres. So all that national quality standard stuff, that's just a waste of time. And the final thing that we're divided upon is early education. Should it, does it actually cause any difference? 
Oh, nowadays, you know, some people are saying, yeah, early education's okay once they hit four, you know, in the year before school. But sure, not before they're two, you know, that's when they're just playing. And that's just, you know, yeah, where nice, the division is. It's a nice long list. I think for me, they're all, yeah, there's definitely all a continuum along all of those. What this always sort of comes down to me from a political perspective. Uh, the overarching thing is this theme of individualism versus community. Um, and again, being fair, you can have a position on either of those and still be, I think, you know, a, a reasoned good person and can make them without stupid arguments. But where I have to be careful is I think they're, well, where I want to make a pretty significant point is that the people who are on the individualism side of this argument, which is exactly that. You had the kids, you pay for them. I had kids, I pay for them myself. They're usually staggeringly well off. They're, you know, they're either wealthy, they're in positions of power and privilege, and they can they can afford to make that argument. Now, the, if you want to go the other end of, the continu- of that continuum, which is the community-based approach, it's about saying that everyone has the right to access that, and we need to then it is born by the community in the form of taxes. Now, I think obviously, as all three of us would probably have, you know, a similar view of where we sit on that continuum, which is probably very far to the community-based one. But that, because what fits into that argument as well, which is a very complicated one, which maybe services are having with families, is then that balance between how we view parents and how we view children. Because you're absolutely right. People make that argument that, well, you know, parents look after children. They're, They're the best placed person to to educate and care for their children. And in some cases, that's just not the case. There are families experiencing their own vulnerability. There are family, families living in poverty, living with mental health issues. And there are, and they, even then, there are those who are, you know, on the, the significantly wealthy end of the continuum who might not be the best parents in the world. We have this, I think, particularly in Australia, this very conservative golden touch mindset with families we just we just lift families up as the most you know and and parents as the most important people whereas you know parents are human like everyone else this is the reason we have schools is that we have an uh you know a systemic you know policy approach to supporting the education of children there's no reason for me that early childhood education should be different but it's this very touchy topic because there's this seam of underlying conservatism in, in australia which is children should be at home with their parents whereas that might not necessarily be the best thing hang on hang on Liam parents <laughs> are you sure that fathers have got a role in this shouldn't they really just be at home with their mothers yes well obviously that would still be the the dominant discourse but but yeah and particularly there's there's absolutely a bit of an approach to yeah mums need to be staying at home with their kids and suspicion if they actually think they want to send their children to early childhood in some cases it's really yeah, the political ins and outs of it are very tricky and fiddly, but they've got to be sort of broached and discussed, I think. Yeah, but it's sure. become such an either-or either um, proposition, hasn't it? So, that, And that's where that really strong ideology around family keeps coming through, around mothers being at home and, and looking after their children, as opposed to reframing that thinking and saying, well, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah, It should be... It, it should be the opportunity that every child has to an early childhood education. And that's where all of the ideology keeps getting confused yeah. because we're really, you know, we've got one pathway that we want to have workforce participation, another pathway that we want education. And in the end, we just can't decide exactly what we want for children. As with everything else in Australia's early childhood sector, it is insanely complicated. 
And one of the things I'd point out with that that argument about that sort of you know universal access to early childhood education undermines the parents' role. It's actually really important to remember the early years learning framework specifically calls out families. It says that a child's family is their first and most important teacher. And I agree with that as well, but that does not mean that there is not then a very significant and strong place for the fundamental foundation of early childhood education as well. It doesn't undermine a parent's role. It supports it and encourages it and allows it to... Oh, Liam, come on. It's all those socialist, you know, lefty educators that are going to, you know, teach them things like, you know, that really uh, good parents would prefer their children not to be taught in those childcare like centres. Social justice. No, what, what, would be, what would be okay would be to have no universal access, but to make sure that every family had enough money to buy tutoring for children who are two, <laughs> three and four so they could be ready for school. Vouchers. If and if we had small hours, government, they would have that money, Leanne. That's exactly right. 15 hours of tutoring, that'll get them ready. That's it. That's all we need. All right, well, we... We all Just before we go on, I think it's also important to mention the impact that um, think tanks have on what we read in the media and the dominant discourse that comes down. So um, I don't know if people are aware of the number of think tanks we have in Australia, <laughs> not nearly as many as in America, but they're gradually growing. And some of the, um, like, there's progressive think tanks like the Australia Institute, but some of the more conservative ones, like the Centre for Independent Studies and the Institute of Public Affairs, are having a stronger and stronger impact on public policy, including on our area. So it's always, you know, worthwhile looking at what they're saying about our kind of issues as well, because I think that they have a large impact. 